0: In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Let's all say together verse 37 really loud in unison. Ready? For nothing is impossible with God. That's the focus of this story today. Nothing is impossible with God. Now, Mary does nothing to deserve this special honor and favor that God has put upon her. The text doesn't tell us that she earned this, that she lived a certain way, a godly life, and because of that, this was, being, this was happening to her. In fact, you look at it, it mentions Joseph, and it says Joseph was a man of a great ancestral line. So he was a a man of royalty. You could say he was, uh, if if anything, you could say he was a a person of a very famous family. All right. A very famous family line that Joseph's family can trace their line all the way back to King David. And King David, oh, I mean, uh, the hope of Israel comes from King David. King David is uh considered the the, the great uh, patriarch of the faith. And and the, the restoration of Israel comes from David. And so Joseph line, his line is mentioned. And uh, we know that in 2 Samuel, that Nathan came to King David. And he gave him this prophecy from God. And it starts out, the very words, these are the words from God. And God's message to King David, that his line would have no end. That his kingship would continue through all eternity. That's a pretty extraordinary prophecy that, that your family name and your royalty would continue throughout all time. And uh, the language that is there is very similar to the language that Luke uses here. And you you even wonder if perhaps Luke is thinking about that as he's writing this story and going all the way back to this and saying, now, Joseph's family, he was of David's line, but Mary's family isn't even mentioned. Nothing about Mary's family. No, nothing important there. Nothing noteworthy. It's just God... Deciding to put upon a very undeserving, lowly, obscure person that nobody knows his favor. And that's what he did with Mary. Mary measured low in every single ranking that there was. She was very, very young. She had just reached the age of marriage. So, somewhere around 12 or 13. She was of no uh, interesting family heritage, okay? No family line she could draw from. She was a woman. And in their, her society, being a woman was of less... She had no wealth, no great uh, kingdom or or property that she could lay claim to. She was of low stature... In every single way. And yet, in all of this, the emphasis is not on Mary or Joseph or even Joseph's line or even because of David. But because of God himself. See, God is the principal player in all of this. And God chose. God came upon. God chose to give himself and draw himself to everyone involved here. Gabriel Gabriel, the angel, says to her, The Lord is with you. You have found favor with God. Or you could say it another way, The Lord's favor has found you. It has come upon you. Two dominant components of the good news. You see it unfolding right here in this announcement. That the favor of God is now upon you. Do you feel like the favor of God is on you? The favor of God is upon you. And the Lord is with you. Do you feel like the Lord is with you? Maybe that one more than the other. You see, in Christ, you can be out of Christ. You can be not a part of Christ. You can be disconnected from Christ. But in Christ Jesus... You have both of those components, right? You have. The Lord is with you. When you are in Christ, the Lord is with you. He is present. We should never pray this prayer, Lord be with us. Unless you don't know him. Right? Unless you are not a part of Christ. Never pray, Lord be with you, because he already is. He's already there. In Christ, Lord is with us. And... His favor is upon us. You know, I find a lot of Christians don't walk in that favor. They don't understand that favor. They don't expect that favor. They don't operate on that. They don't exercise their faith based upon their favor. In fact, they consider themselves a second-class citizen. You know, uh, he wasn't my friend, but I I knew him. and So I'm embarrassed to say that, but... So I won't tell you his name. (laughs) I'll get away with it that way. And uh, so he got into this elevator. And uh, there was three or four people in the elevator already, business people. And they all knew each other. And so he was the lone person who didn't know them. So this one guy starts in on this dirty joke. And so he's going on. This is a filthy, rotten joke joke he's telling out loud and this one guy is standing he says you know what he said why do i have to sit here and listen to this why do i have to put it just because i'm stuck on the elevator here why do i have to be left out and so you know what he decided to do he decided to just start speaking in tongues really loudly and so he did and the guy who's telling the joke stopped and when the elevator door opened they bolted <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that as a way to really, you know, uh, proclaim the, the greatness of Christianity. All right. But it does illustrate the point. That you don't have to be a second class citizen. You don't have to consider yourself of lowly stature. Just the opposite is true. That God's favor is upon you. If you are in Christ this morning. So hold your head up high. Walk with dignity, knowing that you are of a royal priesthood. This morning. Some say, well, God doesn't need me, or God doesn't want me. And I suppose Mary could have said that too. But that isn't what God's position was. See, God wants to partner with you. Could God have... uh, accomplished his salvation plan without man? I don't know. Maybe you could have had angels do it. Maybe he could have just snapped his fingers and everybody would respond. But that isn't what God wanted to do. That is isn't his way. He wants to partner with you. God wants to be a partner in your life. He wants to partner with you in your business. He wants to partner with you in your parenting. He wants to partner with you in your bills. He wants to partner with you in your marriage. He wants to partner with you in all areas of your life. God wants to be involved with you. And it's a a relationship that he's building. Isaiah prophesied about this very thing that we see here. The words that Gabriel uses, he's used before. It's interesting to tie it all in. In Isaiah chapter 7 and 14, a prophecy that Isaiah is giving at that time can be traced back to this. Listen, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. But the link goes back even farther than that. It goes back to Genesis 16, where you see the angel of the Lord proclaiming this same announcement again. And it goes to Genesis 18, where Sarah, she is told that she is going to have a child, and she's barren, and she's really old, just like Elizabeth. And Sarah says, with God... All things are possible. That's Sarah's response. But it goes back all the way to the very beginning. See, God tying all these scenes together. It goes forward to the transfiguration. It goes forward to the glory of God being revealed. It goes backward to Moses and the glory of the temple. It's all God's story of salvation being poured out upon man. Zechariah and Mary both appear to respond the same. I think if you read that, they both respond with this question. And yet, he gets punished and Mary doesn't. So what's the difference? Zechariah's request for a sign was one of disbelief. He said, uh, if this is really true, then prove it to me. And so he was unable to speak. Mary's request was one of faith. He said, how will I know this is real? Prove it to me. And Mary said, how will this play out? Because I want to respond right. His was of disbelief and hers was of belief. Two very different responses to the word of the Lord. And Gabriel says, nothing is impossible with God. So this is the key here. Listen to this. This is important. The issue is not, is God going to come through for us? The issue is how. Not is God going to do the miracle that we need, but how. And so he tells her, he says, the Holy Spirit will do this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And maybe you've never noticed this before. But in the exact way that he describes the Holy Spirit will come upon her. Happens in Acts 1.8. Look it up sometime. You'll see a direct parallel there. Exact same way. Exact same thing. The way the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary and then she is conceived with Jesus Christ is the exact same way that the Holy Spirit was poured out in Pentecost and a whole new era of the church began inside the hearts of men and women. It's the same type of outpouring the Holy Spirit fills us with the power of God. It was not sexual activity. It was divine activity that happened with Mary. In Isaiah thirty-two fifteen, Isaiah talks about this and says, he, he prophesies, this is hundreds of years prior, that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon her and that the Holy Spirit would accomplish these things jesus didn't become the son of god he always was this wasn't mary's doing it wasn't because of joseph or or david's line this was the holy spirit's work and so mary is given a sign and the angel says i'm going to give you supernatural information nobody knows this your cousin is pregnant Liz is expecting a baby. she went into hiding. And so nobody knew, and she hadn't come out yet. And so Mary didn't know. So the angel gives her supernatural understanding and says, this is what's going on. You can expect this. Your cousin is pregnant. Turn to Colossians chapter 1, if you have a Bible. I want to show you this. This is unfolding I'm going to bring this down to uh, where you are today whenever I read scripture I always I always ask myself so what <laughs> so it's a great story and it was good for them what about me <laughs> okay so we're going to get to you in a minute Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15 Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before everything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth, by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And this includes you, who were once far away from God. You were enemies, separated from Him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now He has reconciled you to Himself through the death of Jesus Christ in His physical body. As a result, He has brought you into His own presence. And you are holy and blameless. And now you stand before him without a single fault. What a beautiful picture that we have painted for us there. That's you. That's you. In Christ, I am now transformed. All my filthy rags are washed away, and I stand pure and spotless in a white robe. And the path that I was on before was a path of destruction. It was my own path. It was a path of self. And God takes me off of that road of destruction and brings me over here on a path, and I always picture it like the yellow brick road. Was, I remember that all the way back when I was a little kid, every Christmas, you know, back when TV was... Yeah, we well, I won't say anything about that. But, you know, what was it? The, the, the ABC Sunday night movie. Remember that? What happened to that? And it was The Wizard of Oz. And The Yellow Brick Road. And I used to love that movie. One year, my grandmother put on a witch's costume and came downstairs... She thought it would be cute. And I absolutely freaked. (laughs) It didn't have the desired effect she thought. But Christ takes us and puts us on this new path. And we get with that a new destiny, a new purpose, a whole new set of values, and a whole new family. A whole new family. It's a supernatural thing that takes place and we all of a sudden now we have a new heritage and a family line and a family line that goes way way back way back and one day you'll be in heaven with those family members be able to see them and talk to them face to face so let's get practical for a moment When we face the impossible, and we all do from time to time, or very difficult situations that you think, how will this work out? Our vision is always forward, right? It's always on that thing. And you notice how it dominates your mind. It it just focuses your mind like a laser beam on that. I remember when I had back pain, I could think of nothing other than that pain. Nothing. I think about Christ on the cross, feeling enormous pain. And yet his focus is not on the pain. His focus is on his mother, on John, on the thief next to him, on the soldiers, on mankind, on God. Extraordinary, isn't it? And yet, when we are faced with those challenges and the impossible, that's what we focus on. We look forward. And that, my friends, is our problem. You see, Mary did not look forward and say, I am a virgin. This is impossible. Mary turned around and she looked And she said, I am a part of a family line. That goes all the way back to a guy named Abel. Who by faith offered a sacrifice to God that was pleasing to God. And he didn't know. There wasn't this long history for him. He was one of the very first, but offered a sacrifice to God. That was pleasing to God. How about Enoch? Who was a man of great faith and followed God faithfully to the point where God eventually took him to heaven. He never died. How about Noah? Noah, my great, great, and we'd have to say a lot. Uncle, brother, right? That's in my, it's on my path. See, he's back there. He's on that yellow brick road. He's all the way back. His name's Noah. And Noah was faced with the impossible. It hadn't rained and nobody'd seen a flood like that. And God tells him this stupid thing, build this boat that nobody's ever seen. And they laughed at him. And yet by faith, he followed God and it worked out. Abraham was left with this challenge. You've got, oh, uh, I'm going to establish a great heritage in you and he has no children and then finally he has one son oh thank god has come through i know that feeling probably not as intense as his but i know that that feeling of longing for a child and then you have that child and then it is said well you must sacrifice that boy and by faith, he raised his hand. And by faith, he held up the knife. And by faith, he believed God. This is your relative. How about Sarah, who was really old in age and, and was barren. And she believed God and God came through for her. How about Joseph, who was betrayed by his whole family and thrown into prison and sold into slavery And by faith, he trusted God and he walked with God. And that's your brother. How about Moses? Who believed that God could take an entire nation of people and bring them out of slavery in Egypt and cross the Red Sea and care for them in the wilderness and build them into a nation that belonged to God. How about Caleb and Joshua who are sent out to spy out the land and everybody said it's impossible. We'll never take that. Those people are huge. That can't be done. And yet they said it can be done because with God all things are possible. We can do this. Let's do it. How about Gideon who was faced with unbelievable odds. There's no way it would come through. And it keeps the resources keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. How about the beloved disciples, your brothers and sisters and their families? They're all behind you. And they're all saying in one loud voice, how about Brother Andrew? How about Mother Teresa? And We could go on and on and on. You see, your focus is forward. But maybe you need to look backward and see that you, have every reason in the world to believe that God can do the impossible and he will in his own time and in his own way. It's not a matter of will God be faithful. It's a matter of how. How will it come about? That's the thing we don't know. I I don't know how it will, but God has proven himself. Has he not? has he not church is he unfaithful can he not be trusted all you have to do is look back and in a very short period of time you can see what if you know you you get cancer and uh breast cancer and your mother had breast cancer and the doctor said she was going to die you prayed God healed her supernaturally and it all went away now you have breast cancer does that build your faith knowing that God did it for her he could do it for you you were there when she was healed you saw it how about your brother is hit by a car and now he's disabled he can't walk He's crippled. And God heals him and he gets up and he starts walking. And then you, something happens to you. Do you look at your brother and say, oh, God can do it for him? God can do it for me? You know, see, even as I explain that, we still doubt. We still doubt. And yet we have all of this proof. We have this history that we can build our faith upon. Of our family members whom God has cared for, how much more would he care for us? Mary said, do unto me as you have said. Because she agreed with the phrase that nothing is impossible for God. So what are you facing this Christmas? that looks pretty tough. You know, Christmas is really rotten for some people. I was feeling very sorry for myself yesterday, thinking, here it is, Christmas, and I am absolutely stressed out with all these parties and all the stuff I got to do, and I feel more busy at Christmas time than any other time of the year. Isn't that backwards? Right? It's a time of peace. I was running with my head cut off all day yesterday. (laughs) That's not how it should be. So what are you facing today that looks impossible? I'm here to tell you this morning, say this to God. Say, God, I don't know how you'll do this, but be unto me as you will. Have that same courage that says if I go into the fire and I die. Then God will raise me from the dead. I think many of you could share your own story of God's faithfulness. For those of you who are questioning your faith. I've seen with my own eyes marriages that were completely destroyed healed and renewed. Just like Lazarus came back from the dead that relationship came back from the dead. I've seen amazing things. So, 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 so let's take a break from focusing on what is in front of us. And let's look back. And remember the hope that we have in Christ.